It's history. See, I was a foot soldier for the Hare Krishna mob, a member of the Swami organized crime family. Hardcore history. You have to let them know that you think they are shit. The way they Thanks for joining us for the, the first episode of Hardcore History. Our guests today are Dave, tool using mammal, a regular in our Discord and our Twitch conversations. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Thank you. And we have Jared from Hardcrackers. What's up? Well, can we come up with like a material theory of, of why Hardcore emerged when it did and took the form that it did? I think that there's three distinct forms that we have to talk about um, that are limited to three different regions. And this is my super localist um, North American United States um, telling of the story. So please jump in um, and make it more international. But there was, um, there was New York and then there was LA and I guess I could throw Boston in there <laughs> to appease the listeners. Um, but Boston and D.C. actually, I think, had a lot in common um, uh, culturally in terms of the um, the demographic makeup of the folks who were making that music. Um, and so, I mean, New York, I think, was in a lot of ways um, this kind of lumpen proletarian phenomenon, or at least you had people who were willing to present themselves as lump and proles and like live in this, the, the Lower East Side at the absolute worst point in its in its history. Um, and you know, the, the, the archetypal band, of course, of that period is the Cro-Mags, right? Um, and then the, D, the DC Hardcore, um, it's like, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that DC Hardcore documentary um, that came out a couple years ago, but it becomes pretty clear throughout the movie that these were just the, the, just the children of, um, you know, the Washington, D.C., kind of civil servants or even the elite, um, and their concerns about the world were far more um, existential. Um, mm. You know, that kind of existential ennui reserved only for the kind of petty bourgeoisie. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know too much about California hardcore, except uh, what I know from uh, that Penelope Spears movie, Suburbia, uh, which has a, presents an interesting theory of... Um, a kind of, of of a poverty within the suburbs. Uh, usually, the way that we tell the story is, um, you know, the suburbs are this kind of like middle class or you know white working class fantasy world, and people just get bored there, and that's what leads them to punk. But um, that that film actually has an it has an interesting analysis of this kind of creeping poverty that we now today associate with a lot of suburbs um, as fueling the punk movement back then. I lived in New York for a while now in Chicago, but I was watching Boston real close, basically, just to see how they, like, whether that shit would get traction there. And it really didn't, actually. Um, like, the tall Colin, who's in that band Colin of Arabia, came out again, like, I'm going to fucking kill a proud boy if they come to my shows. And you had these dudes, like, a lot of whom actually have a very similar worldview to the Proud Boys, like could not wait to get their hands on a proud boy and just beat the shit out of them. And I, the interesting part is I'm not sure if it had anything to do with politics as much as the fact that these dudes were just fucking posers. Right. Yeah. They were trying to force a meme basically. 
Yeah, I know so many people that just wanted to to, to kick uh, Proud Boys, uh, uh, kick their asses because they're wearing Fred Perry's, and they they, they didn't like people stealing those colors and stuff. Oh right. God, I have like a thousand dollars worth of Fred Perry shirts. If if the Nazis win that shit, I am gonna have to spend so much money on new clothes. <laughs> I I I I I had actually preemptively switched to Ben Sherman already, so I think I'm safe. Yeah. So uh, another thing that makes me think of is this is this attitude that that comes from you know it's in the hardcore scene already when youth crew comes around, uh, but this this kind of notion of unity that doesn't really mean anything other than like let's work together to reproduce the scene, um, and you know let's not try to like tear the scene down through senseless fights. Uh, but that that kind of became, I think, the central worldview of hardcore. And it can mean anything to anyone, right? Um, like, uh, you know, it does tend to have like an anti-racist implication to it. Uh, but at the same time, like when you saw a lot of these hardcore bands reunite over the last few years, and they wanted to kind of apply their worldview to like, Black Lives Matter, for example, you got instances of, I think this happened to Siv from Gorilla Biscuits. It happened to, um, who did it happen to in Canada? Like the guy from uh, Chokehold, right? Uh, gave a speech. Uh, they, they tried to say something supportive of Black Lives Matter, but through the lens of like hardcore unity, they said all lives matter. And they didn't mean it uh, in, in the way that like, asshole anti-black lives matter people meant it they meant like we're all in this together but they were just everyone everyone in the crew did come come across very well right and even though i think their intentions in both of those cases were good it does the fact that it, it it wasn't like they just didn't they weren't hip to like that not being a cool thing to say it's that they don't get that uh you can't you can't just allude to unity and make it happen. There are real uh, 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 differences in society. There is a hierarchy. People are treated differently systematically. And I think that concept of unity tries to to escape that reality to some extent and create um, create you know a subculture where those differences don't matter because people treat each other with respect and like engage in this you know, usually very beautiful project of creativity and catharsis and meaning, which is what hardcore is, but it's a a refuge from society, from the misery and cruelty of society. Saying, hey, everything's great inside my subculture and we got to keep it that way. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, a movement like Black Lives Matter, to some extent, the socialists, the anarchists or whatever, are saying, don't turn away from that. Like, we need to understand that there are these differences and that's, I think, why hardcore tends to reject the left to some extent. Not not in every case, but I would say in general, hardcore, although they do, you know, have some leftist ideas, it, it's hard to argue it was really ever like a leftist movement. Certainly not the way punk was. There's this kind of pre-political um, consciousness that I think the band that actually captures it best is um, Coxbarer. So not not exactly mm-hmm. a hardcore band, yeah. but this kind of um, this working class um, radical um, agnosticism toward any kind of um, lofty political project. It's like 
I mean, and and this grew out of you know disillusionment with um, the kind of the leftist political parties, which um, is a, lo- a lot of the things that the Cox Power sings about. And it's like the, the the basic attitude is, yeah, sure. You say you want to you say you want to change the world, but you really want to just make me a foot soldier in your stupid fucking plan. Um, and you know, you think you have something to teach me, but actually, you have a lot to learn about the world. Fuck you, you know. And that that's that's kind of the basic outlook. And I think um, I think what you guys are are laying down is correct in that it's. It's never really punk and hardcore, um, and I, I would throw punk in there because honestly, I have met fucking ten like s- smart political punks in my entire fucking life. <laughs> like Andy will probably Andy probably knows more than I do. Yeah, most of them have been on the yeah. Podcast. I'm like I'm like an anarcho punk denier. I think it like never actually happened. I think it was just people who like to get <laughs> fucked up together and talk about how war was bad. But um, but so like it, it they, these things have always been about. Um, building these kind of insular scenes yeah as a refuge from the world um and so it makes total sense to to talk about what we need is unity between uh different racial groups um you're not going to work out you're not going to work out the overcoming of white supremacy within like a small subculture um but that's actually been challenged a lot i think in the last five or ten years probably since since the movement of 2014 I mean, I'm a, I'm I've kind of aged out of the scene, or at least I've I go to bed too early, so I can never really catch the shows in New York. Um, but I, you know, I, what little I know about the, the recent punk and hardcore is there's a lot of um, a lot of bands like with 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 women in them, which is would would have been a big thing when I was a kid. Um, a lot of people who are really like a, a lot of trans bands, uh, people who sing about. Um, these issues and are confronting the older generation with them. I mean, there's been a lot of really cringy interactions with like old hardcore dudes fighting with like young women about whether, you know, uh, their music should address Black Lives Matter and trans uh, trans rights and things like that. Um, and it's actually kind of cool um, to me to see how because we've been talking about the ways that this kind of inchoate anti-establishment movement can kind of lend itself to the forces of reaction and kind of uh, crypto white chauvinism and all the rest but I mean it does provide a ready-made apparatus for fighting against bad stuff too it's really interesting to look into because you know when when we're talking about uh, like these these insular communities and stuff like that it's it starts to really remind me of a lot of the online left and stuff like that you know what I mean you have these people who, who are uh, you know talking about all, all this stuff that we need to do and all these problems that we have but but it's just really pro- pro- providing these insular communities for people to say these things without actually ever having to do anything about it 